0: Welcome to the Arma Energy Drink Big MX Radio Podcast Show, brought to you by Fly Racing, x Brown Goggles, Just One Helmets, Bill's Pipes, and Moto Ice Wrap. I'm your host, Brad Gebhardt. With us on the line, we've got one of my favorite people under the sun. Uh, He goes by the name of Don Schneider. Don, how are you this afternoon?
1: Hey, Brad. I'm wonderful. Thank you very much. You're uh, calling all the way down to Douglas, Wyoming.
0: Douglas, Wyoming, and broadcasting here on the Big MX Radio podcast show on BigMXRadio.com. Don, you're a repeat offender. Uh, You've been on the show before. We've chatted a few times about not only uh, your career uh, through motocross and being a promoter and uh, taking the four-stroke nationals to all, uh, new heights. And uh, today we have the opportunity to uh, talk to one of the stars of that series, a guy who really put four-strokes on the map, uh, and that is none other than Brian Spud Walters. Brian, how are you this afternoon?
2: I'm great, Brad. I'm uh, just uh, broadcasting from... Uh, actually, I'm down in uh, Delaware, Ohio, uh, so uh, we, we got, uh, I guess, uh, kind of, kind of widespread uh state's going on here but uh everything's good in Delaware got a little bit of snow today uh but we're we're all good
0: so awesome well uh three yahoo's three uh three area codes and uh there'll be more than three unbelievable stories that get thrown down in the coming minutes uh really excited to have you on the show Brian uh you're a guy who uh from the very get-go of talking to Don, almost a year ago already, uh, we, we talked about uh, your performances and your role in developing these four-stroke machines that we ride today. and um, So we kind of wanted to uh, go back in time, get in the time machine, and, uh, and kind of relive some of those great memories that uh, you have. And uh, of course, Don, I know you've got a ton of great questions for, uh, for Brian, because uh, who would know him better than the guy who uh, ran the series?
1: Well, I tell you what, Brad, it's right. I, I talked to Brian yesterday on the phone. It was one of the best conversations I've ever had. The guy is a true pioneer of the sport. He started with the XR400s and worked his the way up to the factory Honda 450s. And I would love him to uh, explain all of that. I'm just kind of here as a, a mediator. And, and, and hopefully um, uh, I will say that he's one of my best friends in life. He, we could not have done it without his expertise and um, some of the wonderful races that he had, and how many checkered flags he, that, that waved in front of him when he came over the line. And, and the two-time National Four Stroke National Champion, Brian Spud Walters. I really appreciate you spending our time today.
2: Well, I really appreciate you know all the uh, kind words for uh, you know from you Don. Um, you know likewise, uh, you, you've been a great friend, great promoter, uh, great everything. I've, I've, been, I've known you for you know 20 plus years now. Uh, so thanks a lot, uh, Brad, for uh, letting me share some stories and having me on the show, and I uh, really appreciate it.
0: Hey, the pleasure's all mine, my friend. Uh, anytime that I get to uh, talk to a guy like yourself, uh, I'm absolutely privileged and uh, love to make time for you guys.
2: Awesome, awesome. Well, I'm looking forward to it, so thanks again, Brad.
0: Perfect. Well, uh, let's pull the trigger on this and get right into things, and uh, you know, Brian, uh, before there was uh, there was the the thunder that was the four stroke nationals. I have a feeling that you were most likely both mixing gas and hauling ass out of uh, <laughs> northern California. And uh, so tell us a little bit about how it all started from the very beginning of uh, getting your first motorcycle and uh, creating some some friendships around the motocross track. And uh, like a guy that we talked about off air, uh, Steve Lampson, I got a lifelong friend of yours that uh, you grew up racing with down in the, uh, or up in, up in SoCal.
2: Yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, Lammy was very instrumental in my, my, uh, my career, my success, you know, it all started, uh, you know, back on, and uh, in, uh, you know, when I turned five years old, uh, my dad, I used to have a, a Mako, uh, dirt bike that he used to ride around in the backyard. And, uh, we, we lived on, uh, you know, we had a little bit of acreage and we had about, you know, 200 acres behind us. Uh, So he would kind of ride around with his friends and, uh, you know, I saw my dad uh, riding dirt bikes and he never raced or anything, but just kind of did it for fun. And um, next thing you know, uh, our neighbors was having a garage sale. Uh, There was a little uh, Briggs & Stratton five horse mini bike uh, or moped. And uh, so, uh, you know, after a lot of convincing, I talked my dad into buying that so I could ride around with them. Uh so it all started uh, back when I was about five years old um and then um got started on a you know just a little moped and then uh uh just rode around I, I couldn't wait to come home you know from school every day and just ride this thing and uh, uh got on that bike and I was you know from sun up to sundown, I was riding this this little moped um and finally kind of outgrew that and once I realized I couldn't really jump the thing. And um, ended up, uh, my dad bought me an RM50 back in 1980. Uh, it was the best Christmas gift ever, I think. And uh, from there, I just started, uh, you know, just kind of riding, you know, with friends. And next thing you know, it leads into, you know, going to a local race at Sacramento Raceway. I still have my uh, my, my trophy. Uh, there was only about uh, two of us in, in that class. And it was actually me and my best friend. At the time, and uh, uh they put us in the uh the women's powder puff class uh you know, and so we rode around on that uh i don't i think I got first, and he got second it was uh we were really slow uh all the all the girls beat us, but uh just had the time of my life and I was from there I was hooked um uh, so uh we kinda you know went, you know just started riding and, and never stopped and then uh um ended up getting a little bit faster and faster and uh uh, you know, over the years, it just kind of, um, progressed from there. So, uh, you know, I, I grew up in Northern California. Uh, there was a lot of fast guys, uh, but the, the field wasn't very deep. So next thing you know, uh, a couple years later in 1983, um, started racing, uh, saddleback world mini was my first big race ever and talk about getting my butt kicked. Uh, you know, I was, dominating local races, but when I went down there, raced my first World Mini, it was a uh, pretty humbling experience, and I uh, yeah, I think I was way back in the pack, but uh, it was all good, and, um, you know, just kind of, like I said, progressed from there. So.
0: Well, the, you must have been, done a pretty good job keeping that original story under wraps, because I can't see why Brian Powderpuff Walters wouldn't have caught on at some point. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's funny, kind of how the, my nickname came. It wasn't Powder Puff, but it was uh, pretty close to it. It was actually, uh, you know, Spud, as everybody calls me. You know, I don't. I think probably most of the moto industry doesn't even know my real name is Brian. But uh, yeah, back uh, I'll give you a little uh, background on that. You know, back when I was, uh, you know, about five years old, uh, my dad took me to a babysitter, and there was uh, three other Bryans there at the babysitter. And it's like, well, shoot, how am I going to call, uh, you know, when I say Brian, which Brian's going to come? He's like, well, just call this one Spud. I don't know if, you know, my dad has a nickname for everybody. Growing up, you know, all my all my friends he had a nickname for. Us. So I just, you know, that's just my dad's character. He's a, he's a great guy. And uh, so, you know, ever since I was five, uh, Spud was my name. Uh, all my teachers called me Spud. Uh, and then, you know, then all my friends started calling me Spud. So, uh, like I said, uh very few people who know my real name is Brian, so uh thank God Powderpuff. Uh wasn't my name.
0: There you go. Uh, def- definitely uh a-, a meaner moniker than the uh the, the powder puff, but uh, nevertheless <laughs> uh you're able to put knobbies in uh NorCal soil and uh although getting a humble experiencing at the uh at, at some of the-, the early amateur races, you were able to find success and eventually by nineteen ninety find yourself in the uh in the 125 B class, um, amongst a lot of racers uh, that you kind of grew up racing and stuff like that, both the the, the stock and modified classes were uh, highly contested. Contested uh, guys like Brian Deegan, Jeff Dement, uh, Damon Huffman. Uh, guys that you probably saw on a regular basis racing in California were again on the line with you in uh, Hurricane Mills. And uh, you had one stay uh, in 1991 in uh, uh, Loretta Lynn's, and uh, you made it count with a third-place finish right in, beh- right in between uh, uh, Deegan and uh, Huffman.
2: Yeah, actually, um, um, kind of going back a little bit before that, in uh, 87, 87, I got my first team green ride. Uh, from '87 to '91, I was an actual Team Green rider. Uh, I rode '80s uh, from '87 to 1990. I actually, won a Loretta Lynch in '89. Um, I kind of in the vault. There's a little bit, a little bit confusing because there's Brian Walters and then there's Brian Spud Walters. So
1: ah, two different, two
2: different names. Yeah, but in '89, I actually won a Loretta Lynch in the '85 14-15 uh, class, and uh, I kind of would, uh, you know. Won that class. I actually won a trip to Japan uh, for uh, from Yokohama, which was awesome. I was uh, just turned 16 and uh, going over to uh, Japan for the very first time, uh, actually with Davey Coombs, uh, actually the whole Coombs family. And uh, uh, yeah, very... actually, uh, yeah, Jimmy Button was there. Uh, he had also won a title in '89. Uh, there was Ryan Carlisle, uh, Kevin Foley. So there's about uh, eight of us that uh, won this trip uh, like I said, from Yokohama Tires. Uh, so we were there for a week, got to uh, go to the uh, Tokyo Supercross. Uh, so it was, was an awesome experience. Um, and, um, you know, and then been friends with Davey ever since. So, uh, that was really cool. And then, um, in 1990, I broke my, uh, that was my last team green year as far on eighties, uh, Jose Gonzalez, um, you know, and, uh, Wanted me to stay back one more year. Uh, like I said, I was 16 years old. Unfortunately, broke my ankle really bad at Mammoth, um, and so that kind of blew my year because I was hopefully uh, was gonna hopefully gonna be back and uh, win a couple more titles in 1990. Unfortunately, that didn't happen. So 91 uh, was my last uh, Team Green year. I like you said, I got a third place at Loretta Lynn's, and that was the year I actually turned pro raced Washougal the following weekend after I got a third place with, uh, uh, you know, with, uh, nice. a bunch of top guys in my class. Uh, Craig Decker, uh, yeah. was also in my class, uh, you know, Brian Deegan, Damon Huff, and Jeff and ben, uh, Tim Ferry. I raced against those guys. You know, I was, uh, uh, kind of battling with those guys, you know, for, um, you know, every race. And it, it was, uh, it was a tough uh, back then and a lot of, a lot of stiff competition. So, uh, I did really get, uh, like I said, I got up third place, uh, and then uh, went to Washougal, and actually uh, qualified for the uh, program. Uh ended up 24th overall, uh, so I actually picked up a couple points, so I was uh, pretty stoked to go uh, from the Loretta to Washougal. So that was my first pro race with Washougal.
0: Washugal and then uh, about six months later, lining up for uh, Anaheim and uh, making the main your first main event in the West Coast uh, that you made uh, a 15th place, again on the Kawasaki's. Um, did the Kawasaki support continue from the amateur ranks right up into the pro class? And uh, who are some of your main supporters uh, as you made that transition, which is uh, kind of a, a pivotal time for a lot of pro racers?
2: Absolutely. It was... Uh... It was um you know it was a, it was a great great time for me. You know, I was uh you know coming off strong off the uh intermediate class and you know, the pro class, had a lot of confidence. Uh you know, I had the the support of Kawasaki. Uh they were uh you know they had stuck behind me for quite a few years there. Um you know, so uh definitely uh, you know Jose Gonzalez he, like he was the team green support manager back then. Um and then also I had a really good support from uh, uh local a dealership called Dublin Kawasaki and, uh, Bob major, uh, that guy was a lifelong friend. He was, uh, he was there th- with me through thick and thin. So I really want to give props out to him because, uh, he, uh, he always had my back. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I was, um, you know, did pretty good. Uh, you know, pretty much, uh, made most of the, uh, the main events in, uh, 92 in the, uh, the 125 class back then it was, uh, you know, just like I said, mix and pre-mix and, uh, uh, it was uh, it was it was good. I was never a real big supercross fan, uh, just because I was uh, I always kind of seemed to excel outdoors, uh, just because that's what I grew up riding. Back then, uh, supercross tracks were really hard to get on unless you were a, a full blown factory rider. Uh, so unfortunately, I never had that opportunity. So I kind of kind of struggled like a uh, you know most outdoor guys. Uh, but I did the best I can, and uh, did was pretty successful, I guess. So,
0: so uh, at this point, uh, who's spinning wrenches on your bike? And uh, of course, this is a long time before uh, practice mechanics. Seems like uh, guys who don't even make the night show have a practice bike mechanic, uh, a, a race day mechanic, and this, that, and the other thing. Uh, who was working on your bikes back then and, uh, and making sure those Kawasaki's were singing for you? <laughs>
2: yeah actually um uh, you know of course uh, my dad was uh was always there uh he was he helped me out tremendously also a buddy of mine uh named jake windham he was a freestyle guy um oh, and yeah. uh yeah and then his dad royce uh they royce took me to uh pretty much most of the races kind of in that ninety ninety one uh to 90 pretty much 93 period uh you know he uh that guy was a, a stud, man. We would race Anaheim, um, you know, at night. And then we'd go all the way up to the Golden States up in Marysville. He would drive all night. Um, uh, and then, uh, Jake and I would race the following day up in Marysville, East street and stuff. So it was, uh, it was pretty, uh, pretty demanding. I think by then kind of my dad was getting kind of burnout. Uh, basically it was, uh, kind of at a point in my life where it's like, well, do I go to school or do I kind of follow my dream? And, uh, you know, so it was it was a it was a great choice, uh, no regrets, great opportunity, and so I decided to follow my dream. Uh, soon after graduating high school, you know, I moved down to Southern California in about 1993 or so, uh, just because uh, you know the uh, there's a lot more racing down there, uh, a lot more tracks, and like I said, the uh, kind of competition was a little bit deeper down there. So I went down to uh, Southern California. Uh, kind of followed, uh, my best friend, uh, Steve Lampson. Uh, he was, you know, of course he was a factory rider back then, uh, for Honda. So, uh, cool you know, I guy. just tried to try to, a yeah, great guy, great guy. Uh, he, he, uh, he sure uh, taught me a lot and, uh, you know, uh, I have, oh, pretty much my pro career to Lamy. So, uh, it was, it was awesome
0: that's awesome well uh, um, obviously like there's a there's a there's a huge difference in the pro scene from today to now like especially even in the amateur scene you see a lot of these kids that literally they, they live at a, a riding complex uh, they they race three or four times a year they race uh, minios Loretta's and maybe one other amateur national two other amateur nationals uh, and they're not getting as nearly as many gate drops as you guys did even as pros hitting up uh, uh, Supercrosses. The very next day, you're hitting outdoors on uh, probably the exact same suspension setup. By the way, uh, and, um, and and like chasing around guys like Goat Brecker, uh, who who was an absolute mainstay in those uh, those that winners uh, the uh, the Golden State series. What was that like uh, growing up in that era?
2: Absolutely. You know, first and foremost, um, my uh, mom and dad both uh, told me school school comes first. Uh, So, you know, that was my number one priority is to graduate. Uh, Like I said, a lot of these kids nowadays, you know, they drop out of school or homeschooled, you know, at such young ages. And it's uh, that would have never uh, flown back in my days. So anyways, I, uh, you know, graduated high school, did really good in school. um, And then, uh, you know, yeah, I kind of traveled all over, you know, Southern California, Northern California, um, you know, just racing racing. Week in and week out, and uh, I mean, it was it was uh, very challenging, especially uh, living living up there in Northern California. But uh, it was it was it was awesome. So uh, you know, I, I raced against uh, you know, like I said, uh, Go Brecker was um, you know back then he was actually uh, promoting the GFI series, so he had a uh, winter series uh, that was very uh, popular. So kind of all the uh, all the uh, local guys would uh, race that. Race Supercross the following, or excuse me, race Supercross and then the Outdoor Nationals uh, the the following day. Uh, yeah, you know, and, and you know we're all pitted out of boxing, and not everybody seems like they have semis and have practice bike mechanics, race bike mechanics. It was all 100, percent you know, on our own. You know, there was a Kawasaki, you know, supported with bikes and some parts, but that's really about it. You know, it was it was definitely some. Uh, uh tough times but you know what it definitely built built character uh made you want to uh, uh work a little bit harder and uh you know and, and it seems like
1: it was uh it, it was awesome
0: so if uh, I can uh, maybe,
1: break in on that, Brad, for a second. Go ahead.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Hey, you know, as as far as working harder is concerned, I know that when you worked harder you got more results, you got more sponsors, and I think that's a great segue into your next commercial break and uh give your uh sponsors out there some great uh attributes and uh maybe we can get right back to this. I know it's been thirty minutes already, it's amazing how fast it goes, bud. Wow.
0: Time to... wow. Good. Time flies when you're having fun, and we, we will be right back on the Big MX Radio Podcast show, um, br- brought to you by Bill's Pipes, X-Brown Goggles, Fly Racing, and of course, W Wheels. We'll be right back.
1: Hey, this is Jake Weimer with Team Tether Racing, and you're listening to Big MX Radio. We're going to commercial break. We'll be right back.
0: If there's one item to be picky about, it's choosing the right helmet. I'm Andrew Short, and I choose the F2 Carbon from Fly Racing. You, too, can wear the exact same helmet I wear, Trey Kennard wears, Jimmy Albertson wears, and many others. The F2 Carbon is a helmet loaded with details that make a huge difference in comfort and safety. Lightweight materials, phenomenal airflow, and a super comfortable, sweat-absorbing liner, and generous eye port design to accommodate any goggle choice or just a few. And did I mention how super-trick these helmets look? Straight off the shelf and onto the racetrack. If you are looking for one amazing helmet, look no further than the F2 Carbon from Fly Racing. For more information about Fly Helmets and other products from Fly Racing, visit them on the web at flyracing.com. What's wrong, Jeff? I don't know, Jay. Well, you better fuel up with a nutritious breakfast with Oats and Bran. Oats and Bran? I didn't think there was such a... That's what I used to think. Now, I start out every morning with a bowl of amigos For extreme kids like us. Racing man, but more than five, what big jet flats is a fat bowl. And they go to brand, fat bowl. And they go to the brand. Oh, superpower, brands for speed. Who that
3: tastes, what a delicious treat. Brands for speed. And they go to the cereal bees, and they go to the brand. Cereal bees, and they go to brand. Cereal bees, and they go to brand. Cereal bees, and
0: That's what I call feeling for the big ride. Hey kids, start out every morning with a fat ball. When it comes to helmets, there is Just One. The helmet brand, that is. Just One Helmets is tailor-made for motocross and street bike riding, and now available in North America. Who chooses Just One? Well, for starters, Tim Geiser, winner of the Italian round in MX2, David Philipparts, Vicky Golden, Trevor Reese, as well as David Pulley. And you know what? So do I. I choose Just One Helmets because they're simply the safest, lightest, and most comfortable lid available. Want to know more about Just One Helmets? Check them out on the web at www.justonehelmets.com. Find out about the J12, the J32, and all of the colorways that absolutely blow your socks off. So guys, please head over to www.justonehelmets.com. JustOneHelmets.com today. Go check them out. You won't be disappointed.
1: So, what do you think of Rich Taylor? Lighter than hair. And stronger than steel. So what that means is can move much faster.
0: 2014 X-Brand goggles is back and better than ever. From the Scatter-X.
3: Bill's Pipes, the home of legendary performance. Since 1974, Bill's Pipes has been providing motocross and off-road riders the performance they need. Two-stroke or four-stroke, Bill's Pipes has the exhaust system for you. In recent years, we've seen a resurgence of the Bill's Pipes brand, and that's great news. And that's great news for motocross racers everywhere. For four strokes, Bill's Pipes brings the RE13 to dominate the fight on any brand. For you two stroke guys, the MX2 Bill's Pipes exhaust system is the right one for the job and comes in works, nickel, and the all new cone look finish that'll turn heads all day long. Head to Bill'sPipes.com right now and get the same pipe used by Billy Leninovich, Vicky Golden, JMR Suzuki Team, Jesse Pierce, Nico Izzy, and David Cole. Bill's pipes is craftsmanship at its finest. So go with Bill's pipes and never settle.
0: And we're back, Big MX Radio Podcast Show. Still on the line with uh, the great. Spud Walters, uh, some call him Brian, some call him Spud, either way, it's Brian Spud Walters to uh, both my co-host, Don Schneider, and myself, and uh, we couldn't be happier to uh, basically be uncovering the story that is uh, Spud Walters in throughout his career in motocross, which continues to this day, by the way, still throws a leg over over a a CRF um, more often than not, and uh, Brian, there was a, a movement that was beginning in the early 90s uh, of these bikes that uh, many thought were uh, relegated only to the track and trail. They were, they were not to be raced on a competitive level, and uh, you and many others proved otherwise. And, um, but I'd love to tell you to tell me the story about how the first time that you were, came to throwing a leg over a four-stroke motocross bike for the first time and, uh, and really taking it seriously that you're going to take, uh, take on uh, a series and be competitive on these things.
2: Uh, absolutely, absolutely, Brad. You know, back in uh, kind of the mid '90s, uh, you know, I was just racing week in and week out, uh, making uh, decent money just racing local races. I never really uh, raced too much of the, uh, the you know, the nationals, just because I was kind of on my own. So I was just trying to trying to make a living. Um, back in uh, '95, I was just just getting burnt out, looking for something different. And a good a good friend of mine, Mark Moore um, who he, he actually, uh, helps run Glen Helen. Uh, he knew, uh, Tom White really well, uh, and made a phone call to Tom White and it just happened to be, you know, uh, crazy luck that, uh, David Barrett, uh, was a, uh, dirt bike test rider actually had, uh, uh, I, I believe hurt his knee or something anyways, couldn't race this white brothers four stroke world national. Um, and, uh, Tom, uh, decided to give me a shot. I came out there, never ridden a four stroke. And, uh, Back then, uh, you know, like I said, they were trail bikes. I mean, they um, they were, you know, meant meant and designed for trail riding. Uh, White Brothers had this awesome XR four hundred. Oh, well, awesome! I should say back in the day. Uh, looking back at it now, it wasn't too awesome, but uh, they had this XR four hundred that I got to offered to ride, um, and you know, kind of all started from there. Um, raced my first race on the XR four hundred at like, Glen Helen. Actually, ended up third place. i be, I believe who's behind the Lance Smell and, uh, Mike Young. Um, so did, did really good in my very first race. Uh, kind of got the offer extended to uh, race a couple more local races. Um, and kind of from there, um, you know, Tom was always a, a, a great supporter of mine, great friend. Um, John Anderson, uh, also, uh, was, you know, a, a great friend, great supporter. Uh, both those, uh, guys just kind of, uh, you know, supported me, um, and then just uh, kind of led from there. Um, started started the White Brothers uh, Four Stroke World Championship. Uh, from there, uh, raced uh, you know the uh, the West Coast Four Stroke Nationals. Uh, Tom uh, wanted to keep keep rolling, so the next couple of years uh, put a put a little team together, um, and uh, had some great great outside sponsors. Um, you know, uh, Honda. Bill Savino was always a huge support uh, for, uh, you know, for white brothers, uh, that he helped me out some or actually a whole lot. And then, um, you know, from there, uh, just kind of raced and did, did pretty good. For, you know, on the XR 400, uh, Gary Jones, uh, four time world champion, Gary Jones was actually my uh, mechanic back in the day. Uh, he worked for white brothers. So Gary Jones and Brian Truesdale actually built the motors. Uh, so be- between those two guys, I mean, we had a lot of a lot of history and a lot of experience, and uh, you know they, those guys made that bike freaking run like a you know a rocket, you know, you know, for considering it was an air cooled, pretty low tech machine. Uh, but it was uh, you know racing against, uh, like I said, Lance Snell and uh, uh, Mike Young that were on these pretty exotic uh, bikes back, you know, for those days. Uh, it was a struggle to keep up. I think the the, the key key thing was uh, reliability. You know, we were putting on so much. Power in that XR 400 that a lot of times we were having heat issues and stuff like that. So it was definitely a challenge, but uh, that's kind of where it all started.
0: It's where it all started, and that uh, those bikes would eventually start to progress and move forward to the point where uh, they would absolutely eliminate those uh, the the pre the pre mixing predecessors that uh, were were being raced at the on the AMA nationals and supercrosses of that era but um and to do that you had to be a really good test rider you had to be able to figure out what's good and what and or and what the problems were and how to fix them um you've always prided yourself on being able to uh diagnose a bike and, and make it better where did that all start for you did it uh, did it start all the way back at the moped days or uh were you uh trying some stuff out and, and dialing in those kawasaki's as you turned pro
2: no, so actually, kind of, kind of started in the early '90s. You know, like I said, I was uh, kind of struggling, just trying to make it uh, to every every race. Uh, I was trying to get to a little of outside, um, you know, income coming in. So, uh, uh, you know, my good friend Steve Lampson, uh, back then was riding Hondas, um, said that uh, Honda was looking for a durability rider. So he kind of got my my foot in the door. Uh, started doing some durability testing, and I never realized. I guess I kind of had a, a knack for uh, understanding, you know, vehicle dynamics and kind of what the the bike was doing. Uh, and then, um, you know, so I started doing some little bit of outside testing for uh, Honda. I never had a contract with them. It was just kind of a, uh, uh, a, a weekly or, excuse me, a daily uh, rate. And then, um, you know, started riding the XR 400s, and then uh, actually. Uh, helped Yamaha develop their YZ400, uh, believe it or not, um, kind of back in uh, 1997. Uh, w- uh, worked with Dustin Nelson and uh, uh, Doug Dubach, uh, uh, you know, of, of all people, and uh, actually helped them do some durability on the uh, YZ400F. Uh, wow. So you know, so yeah, Yamaha. was
1: Rocky Ayello involved with that, Spud? Was Rocky in the in there? Actually, uh, I think
2: Rocky was more on the. Uh, uh, on the uh, shell side, um, you know, Rocky of course, uh, you know, was a, a big, big supporter. But it was actually uh, Mark Porter was on the uh, R and D side, so I, I worked for uh, him and Steve Butler. Um, but uh, you know, all three of those guys were uh, huge supporters of mine. Um, and then, you know, once I threw a leg over that YZ400 back in the prototype stage, I knew that was going to be a game changer. And of course, that's when uh, Doug Henry. Uh, was racing the Ultra Trick, you know, YZ400, actually won uh, the Supercross in 97. So I knew that was going to be a game changer. And then, uh, you know, I uh, couldn't wait to actually ride a Yamaha. Uh, in 1998, Yamaha actually offered uh, White Brothers um, full full factory bikes, uh, parts, uh, expenses, everything. So that was my, my first real break. I uh, got off the XR400 and onto a real competitive motocross four-stroker. So that was definitely a huge changing point in my career.
0: Well, that's incredible uh, to see that the, the progression was happening so quickly. And uh, like you said, Yamaha uh, using their uh, their – Basically, works rule to to come out with the 400 in 1997, and uh, and absolutely turn some heads, and um, basically flipped motocross on its ear as far as we would know it going forward from that. Of course, two-stroke stayed fairly prevalent and uh, had a little bit of an edge. Uh, in, in professional competition, and especially with Supercross and Motocross for a short period of time, but uh, before long, uh, the bikes that you helped develop uh, just became uh, too good, too fast, uh, too easy to ride, uh, as far as uh, staying in the right gear and all that. And uh, the Four Stroke Nationals was basically the uh, the, the testing section uh, area for that. Uh, and Don, and I know you have a lot of great things to say about that.
1: Well, absolutely. You know, when uh, Spud came in there and then the Yamaha developed the 250F class and then uh, they asked me, if uh, I would do a 250F class and I go, well, heck yeah, I'll call it that way. You send me the the money for the sponsorship. So Yamaha jumped on board for both the uh, 450 Premier class and the 250F class. But uh, having Spud come out there again and doing all this testing with guys like Ray Soma, we talked about that yesterday with somebody that he had tested with forever and to have him be one of the main developers for all of that. And, and then Dustin Nelson too, staying with Yamaha and uh I mean, the endless names are are vast. But uh, we wanted to, I kind of wanted to listen to some of his race uh, memories. I, I've jotted down a few things. I told him I'd come up with a couple of surprises for him because we both have probably had about 10 different concussions in our lives and lost <laughs> a lot of our memories. So we kind of shared a little bit yesterday. There's guys like Sean Hamlin that rode with this. He got a factory deal with the uh, Suzuki and Jake Weimer got the factory deal with Kawasaki because they rode against guys like Spud Walters.
0: Yeah, couldn't agree more. It's um, even even a guy like uh, Shane Bess, who turned pro in 2002, all kinds of hype around him. Not the greatest success that he would have liked to have had, but uh, was able to uh, basically rekindle his career by heading over to the four-stroke nationals and having some success on the little bike.
1: And he did the 250. He got a 250F championship. Almost did the 450F championship when Mike Quarter beat him out at Lakewood, Colorado, at the last round. So yeah, I got those memories on the top of my head. I got goosebumps just thinking about those guys. They they hauled freight, man. But there was a lot more people out there. I mean, David Bradshaw showed up at that race, you know, and Doug Dubach showed up at that race, and Spud ended up, you know, against all the factory KTM dealers that came there in Lakewood, Colorado. So you know, again, Spud, you, you are the man. Uh, well, I, I appreciate that, Don.
2: And, uh, you know, I well you know, talk, talk to you yesterday and I, I really appreciate everything. You know, you were, you were, uh, truly a legend, um, you know, true by far the best promoter ever. Uh, you know, you were always there, uh, through thick and thin. I know, uh, some of these track, uh, Track owners were probably a little bit difficult to deal with, but you always had our back, and you know what, Don, I uh, I really appreciate that. I admire you. Uh, you are a, a true legend, and thank you so much for uh, all your support. So,
1: you're welcome, kind of and, and you're out. right. We did have a couple <laughs> difficulties, but we got over them. And you know, we were talking about a couple of difficulties that that uh, that came out there, and I want to say uh, hats off to Mike Young Jr. I know he's going to be listening to this wonderful podcast, um, you know, and I'm thinking of Nathan Woods, God rest your soul, and and you were a wonderful person to be with. And, uh, you know, guys like uh, on a positive, Mike Alessi came out and wrote against us, you know, and Ryan Hughes and Sean Kalos and Scott Myers, his dad, Dave Myers, all of these guys, Gordon Ward, Dustin Bloomfield, the name is endless, if anybody can go back to the archives and listen to my original recording that we did with you Brad.
0: Absolutely. No, uh all all of that is available on our archive. You can check out uh the the podcast that I did with Don uh in in late August there and uh very proud of, of those broadcasts cuz they uh, really shed some light on some exciting times but kind of a, almost like a uh, uh a new era being bred in uh, in the, the world of motocross and uh, a ton of great stories, and one of them that I wanted to bring up with uh, with Brian was the fact that yeah, those KTM guys, including uh, some of the guys that were able to uh, edge you out in Lakewood, Colorado, um, in uh, as you were. Fighting towards a championship. You had the number one on your bike and uh, you were able to, to get third that day. And uh, the, 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 the final round was in Floresville, Texas. And I know you were looking to, uh, you're about eight <laughs> points down in the championship and, and looking to uh, mm-hmm. chase down the, the, the great Paul Carpenter. Uh, what was your mindset coming into that type of a round? And um, uh, what, what type of uh, game plan did you have to, uh, to be successful?
2: Yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, and, and like yourself and Don said, you know, there were so many. The talent was so deep, and you know, you know, that's that was the cool thing about the Forsburg Nationals is everybody respected each other. Uh, you know, it was it was some good, clean racing. Uh, the, you know, w- we had we had great times. We had a lot of fun, but going into that last round in uh, Floresville, you know, that was uh, that was pretty intense because uh, you know Paul was actually my teammate in 2002 and 2003 on the, uh, the factory white brothers Honda team. And, uh, you know, uh, John Anderson at the time was my mechanic. And then, uh, Alan Olson was actually, uh, Paul Carpenter's mechanic. So, uh, you know, there definitely was some, uh, pretty, uh, intense rivalry going on. And, uh, you know, it was, I just, I, you know, it was, we were friends like off the track, but on the track, man, there was nothing more than I wanted to freaking beat him. And it seemed like, he was such a light guy. He would always get the start on me, and it always would freaking make me so mad because I always had to chase him down. You know, I was always, you know, a, a, a bigger guy, you know, uh, you know. you know, Spud weighing 200 yeah. pounds and him weighing 125. <laughs> There's a big difference
1: right there.
3: Especially on force. strokes.
2: Absolutely, on that force hook So he always got the start on me, and, uh, you know, I would chase him down. But going to that last round, man, it was uh, – points were tight, and, you know, I was uh, – you know I don't wanna wish uh, bad on anything but I was hoping uh, uh something a little bit of luck was gonna happen on my side and uh unfortunately uh in, in two thousand and uh two thousand two uh carpenter got the got the title on me but i did have the number one plate uh you know from two thousand one so uh you know i was uh, you know fortunate enough to experience that uh you know it seemed like i i uh, definitely had a target on my back though with that number one plate uh, you know, I it was, uh, felt like uh, everybody was out to, uh, you know, kind of uh, take me down. Uh, but it was all good. So, uh, you know, Carpenter was, a, uh, like I said, a great teammate. And, uh, it was uh, some intense battles, and uh, just things didn't work
1: out my way. And I even brought the factory, uh, the guy from Loretta Lins, who won the national championship of L- L- Lins, to come to uh, that event, too. So it was definitely talent deep.
0: Totally. Yeah, um, yeah, one of the things I remember most about uh, Spud Walters was uh, getting getting to watch the 2001 uh, first round in Glen Helen. It was uh, Ricky Carmichael. Um, highlighted to be uh, facing off against not only the rest of the 250 class, but Spud Walters during the pre-race, uh, um, basically pre-race hype. They were talking about uh, basically the four-stroke champion against the two-stroke champion, and uh, um, I, I just thought it was interesting to see how, how much attention that they gave to, uh, to you, Spud, um, assuming that you were going to uh, to whoop up on on RC uh, at, at uh, Glen Helvenholt ball places
2: <laughs> yeah yeah i don't know uh if that if the hype was such a good thing you know rc was uh truly you know he's the go for a reason so uh you know there was uh definitely uh uh i was i was pretty pumped uh, you know i i, I kind of uh uh i was humble and i i knew i would uh try to give him my best but uh you know uh hung in there and actually ended up a 10th place that year uh so i was the top privateer uh beat beat a lot of uh big names, so that was uh quite an accomplishment you know r c was uh, you know of course of a class of his own but uh time i can uh, finish the top ten in a two fifty national uh I'll take it so that was uh that was a great day and uh you know it just seemed like everything was going uh going really strong had a lot of confidence and uh uh you know i don't know if uh um you know if, well, Glenn helen is probably one of the roughest tracks so uh to go there and uh, you know finish uh, in the top ten overall was uh, was quite an accomplishment. So uh, I was I was pretty stoked.
0: So what were some of the the trickiest parts that were on these four stroke? They were. At their height, they were kind of like the, the more exotic bikes that are available or that are even being raced in the United States. Uh, a lot of cool parts, a lot of um, like pre production stuff. Uh, what were you able to run and what did you get to see at the test tracks and see how these bikes were, were evolving? And uh, of course, um, you, you, no doubt we're at the, the, the Honda test tracks seeing uh, what next year's bike was going to look like. And those are some exciting times as well.
2: Absolutely. You know, I. I was fortunate to be around, you know, the, uh, the the Honda factory guys, you know, the race team guys. I've uh, got to experience, you know, ride ride uh, Carmichael's bike and ride uh, Brian Hughes's uh, four stroke, and you uh, know, of course, uh, you know, number one, suspension. I think suspension is everything. You know, getting an experience that works, suspension is uh, is it's just something so amazing. So you know, definitely the the suspension and you know White Brothers. You know, I was involved with them, so we were always uh, testing different exhaust systems and, and stuff like that, you know, and, uh, you know, you know, just different lightweight component parts. And, uh, uh, I believe, uh, Don, Don, you might know, but, uh, that, that Vertamati was probably one of the trickiest bikes that were out there. Uh, that thing was, uh, you know, uh, they were, they were out in, uh, uh, the whole, uh, Vertamati team was out in, uh, I believe it was Colorado. Um and so uh we got a got a race against those guys and that, that bike was a hand built custom uh titanium frame. I mean pretty exotic bike, so uh definitely um uh, got to uh uh
1: race some um, some cool stuff back then. Well, that's a story in itself as a segue, man. They had the factory people came over from Europe to ride at Leahy Family Farm right above Denver, Colorado, and <clears throat> they could not believe it. The manager spoke great English, man. Jert Van Dorn was the rider that they brought over, and uh, all of the Forest Road dasher guys have been running for years, Dustin Nelson, Spud, and Gordon Ward, and Dustin Bloomfield, all of these guys were there, and the guy came up to me and says, man... I can't believe how fast your guys are. They should all come over, and ride the GPs because they'd all be top 10 riders. So that made me feel wonderful. And that's the day that Spud Walters actually walked off with a six and a half foot trophy, right? Spud. Absolutely. Absolutely. That was uh, by far the best trophy I've ever
2: gotten and still have it to this day. So it's down, down in our basement and uh, I made myself a little trophy room in there. So, uh, I am, uh, yeah, it was, it was amazing. I I remember uh, back then when we won that trophy, John Anderson and I were uh, in the White Brothers Astro Van, and it's like, how are we going to get this trophy? Six Over six foot tall, uh, that thing, uh, the base was shoot, probably uh, two feet wide, so that thing was huge. And uh, we ended up disassembling it piece by piece, putting it in the Astro Van in between the two race bikes. And take it at home, so it was uh it was qu- quite a trophy
1: <laughs> I'm laughing, I can't believe it because I remember when those people came from Clarkia idaho uh you know they built all those trophies they they trailered them all the way from Clarkia with that track that we raced there, and uh they put them all together and I'm going how are these guys going to get these things home? I guess I didn't have to worry about it. So when you won the championship, you won the biggest trophy of your life.
2: <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. I Like I said, so to this day, you know, between the, the trophy and the, the big check, you know, that was uh, that was always uh, something that was r- really cool that Don, uh, you know, made a special is uh, every top, top three rider got a, uh, you know, one of those big checks. Uh, so I, I've got a, a number of those, and it was uh, – there's quite something special, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm so glad that he took the time uh, to do that for the riders.
1: So. Sorry, I'm in between working here at Grander Motors in Douglas, man, and trying to help our service department, so I'm going to go offline for just a second. So, uh, anyway, Vertimati, they, they were nothing compared to what Stud Walters was riding. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Josh.
0: Well, well, Spud, you uh, you definitely left your mark on uh, the sport of motocross. And Josh or JR
1: to the front office, please. Josh or JR to the front office, please.
0: Had a a, had an impact on uh, the way we would race motocross bikes going forward. The way that uh, the sport would evolve, and eventually the sport evolved to the point where the bikes that you were uh, developing, the bikes that you were racing, became the daily drivers of the entire community of motocross. Um, And, um how proud were you to see uh, your hard work getting uh, getting to be put into uh, like full-blown production as far as uh, like the 450s uh, in every single model uh, seeing uh, Suzuki originally bringing the DRZs with uh, beefed up uh, suspension over to the four-stroke nationals eventually they had their uh, their two fifties and four fifties at the four stroke nationals and people were starting to win championships on them, uh, in both AMA nationals and supercross. Um, this was all part of a, uh, a revolution that you were very much a part of. Uh, it's gotta be a satisfying feeling for you.
2: Oh, it's awesome. You know, you know, Brad, in in 2000, if you would have told me that four strokes would be dominating and winning everything, indoor Six and outdoor, I would have said you are crazy uh there is no way and you know it's it's amazing you know back like I said back when the YZ400 came out riding that thing you know that thing was a great bike but it was still really really heavy uh compared to the the two strokes you know and uh um and then kind of um you know when Honda came out with their first CRF450 in 2002 that was to me that was kind of the, the deal breaker it's like oh man this thing is uh this thing is awesome. It's light. It's nimble. It handles phenomenal, and that was uh, truly, I believe, the turning point. You know, when uh, kind of all four uh, manufacturers oh. came out. You know, in the uh, early 2000s, it's like, wow, this is this is this is this is a game changer. And uh, you know, soon after, um, you know, I, I retired um, professional motocross in 2004, but uh, soon after, you know. Uh, um, you know, I, I remember watching the very first Supercross, and it, it took a while for that transition to happen, but I believe in, you know, 2005, 2006, kind of everybody started riding them uh, in the 250 and 450 class. So uh, it, it, the bikes are amazing now, of course. You know, I'm sure uh, most, most of your listeners are uh, actually uh, racing those uh, those bikes, but uh, they are uh, truly, uh, you know, remarkable. And, you know, and it's just the power, the torque, and the weight. You know the weight is is huge. You know these these uh, four strokes nowadays. You know they're the, the same same weight as the uh, two strokes were back in the day.
0: Yeah, honestly, I, I jump on a two stroke or four stroke. Uh, obviously, the riding style is a little bit different nowadays. But far as far as the weight and um, uh, the the weight difference, minimal. Four-stroke is a little bit more rotating mass. Uh, when you jump on a two-stroke, you feel a little bit more free, and obviously you don't have the engine braking coming into corners. But even that is a lot more minimal than it was uh, going uh, going back to the very beginning of things. Um, the the four-strokes have come out really far away, and, and to, a, to for the most part, almost put it, the, the premix predecessors completely to bed. But uh, we still like to uh, break them out every once in a while just to hear that sound and smell that uh, beautiful race race fuel.
2: Absolutely. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I, uh, I, I get a little bit bummed out. You know, I was so uh for the four stroke movement and, you know, it's a, uh, you know, it was, it was, it was great. You know, and, and uh, really kind of back then, I liked the challenge, you know, the bikes were heavier and you did have a lot of, uh, a, a lot more mass and, uh, you know, so they were, you know, a lot, a lot harder to ride now they, uh you know, they, they kind of make, make you lazy a little bit, you know, because they got so much torque, you know, you know, these kids nowadays, you know, they did not even know how to use a clutch or slip the clutch coming out of a turn. So it kind of, uh, kind of took the uh, the challenge out of it. Uh, so every now and then, I like to ride a a two stroke and get on one of those and uh, rip around. And you know, they're they're just they still are a blast, you know. So.
0: All right on, man. Uh, so uh, before I let you go, uh, I, I thought I'd give you the opportunity to kind of recount some of uh, your favorite memories uh, of your racing career, both two-stroke, four-stroke, otherwise, and also give uh, the listeners uh, some insight into uh, what you're doing now and uh, and what you're working towards uh, as, as you reside in uh, Ohio.
2: Yeah, definitely. You know, I uh, definitely, uh, you know, I want to thank you again and Don Schneider for everything you guys have done. Um, uh, that, uh, it's, it's truly, truly a humbling experience, you know, and, and, uh, you know, I want to thank, uh, you know, I got a whole, whole, uh, you know, list of people, but, you know, number one, I want to thank, you know, my wife, Allison, uh, and my, my family for, uh, putting up with me and, uh, all that, you know, we've been married for, uh, uh, going on 19 years now and, uh, without her, uh, she was truly kind of the, the rock. Uh, so, uh, she was, uh, she was awesome, always in my corner. You know, of course, my mom and dad and, you know, John Anderson, uh, you know, Tom White and, uh, you know, Jake, Jake and Royce Windham. um, and thank you to all. Um uh, but right now what I'm, uh, actually doing is I, I still work for Honda, uh, Honda Research and Development. I'm back here in Ohio. Um, moved, moved back here to Ohio about eight years ago. Um, and, um, I'm a, uh, test engineer for all the ATVs and side-by-side products. So, uh, kind of still, uh, testing and, uh you know, working uh, on developing new products for the, uh, the consumers. So it's a, uh, it's pretty awesome. Uh, love it out here in Ohio. And, uh, you know, just, uh, you know, I've got two great kids, Allison or excuse me, Lauren, um, and, uh, Garrett, uh, my son, uh, my daughter Lauren is gonna be going to be going off to college here. Uh, she's a senior and, uh, my, my son is getting ready to be a freshman. So, um, uh,
1: everything's great out here. Um, so, Hey, you oh, forgot so your best races, man. I, I heard that first thing it's like oh. what was your best races? And you've segued into all your help and your sponsors uh, 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 and all those I, names, games, well, buddy.
2: Well I wanted to get I want to uh, definitely uh, uh thank the people that deserve thanks, you know, before I figure out once again those uh the concussions have kinda <laughs> got me scrambled a little bit sometimes. But uh, I definitely uh you know, you know, by far probably the uh, the four stroke races, you know, the four stroke nationals were uh definitely my my best. You know, I, to pick one, uh, one great race, I I don't know if I could do that. They were they were truly awesome times. Um, you know, pro- probably obviously probably the Forsville uh when I end up winning the championship in 2001. Uh racing against, you know, Nathan Woods. Nathan Woods was a, you know, God rest his soul. He was a great competitor, great friend, and uh, just a true true legend. Um, and, uh, you know, he was, uh, he was, he was, he was the man. So, uh, definitely probably, probably the floors or floorsville race. It was probably definitely, uh, you know, that was my first, first championship on a, uh, on a four stroke. So, uh, between that and, uh, my Loretta lens championship, um, and also, uh, 2004, I won the white brothers, uh, vet championship. So, uh, that was a uh, another uh, great memory, of uh, racing uh, Doug Dubok, and uh, I battling it out in the last lap and uh, taking that championship. So uh, I know, uh, I know that was definitely, uh, uh, you know, a uh, definitely
1: a memorable uh, time in my life. So one That's of the surprises right. I wanted to say, Spud, is. Got to throw out the uh, props to Oahe Motocross Track in Boise, Idaho, with that great big giant downhill, the great big giant uphill, and those guys really helped promote our sport. We had the most people ever in the history of Oahe Motocross Track come to the four-stroke nationals. and. You know what, Spud? There are so many races, like you said. How can you individualize them all? But when you rode that day against Lance Smale, and I let him run 1-1-1 on his bikes because he was three-time national champion, and you kicked his butt. I love you for that, dude. <laughs> oh, man. That was, you know, I forgot
2: about that at that time, Don. That was truly a great day. Uh, Boise. I mean, what can you say about Boise? Yep. You know the, uh, yep. the the promoters did a phenomenal job. The track crew. It was, you know, I, I tell you what. Even to this day, I swear I'm going to move to Boise sometime. Uh, you know, I, I had so many great friends in Boise. Uh, you know, and you know, it was truly I I couldn't wait to race that round. So uh, yeah, that was yeah that freaking downhill sand hill. Oh man, that was brutal. Uh, but it was uh, it was it was a great day. So. Thanks for uh, remembering that day, Don.
1: Yeah, and another thing that makes me really proud of you, Spud, is because I went into uh, the radio stations and did all the commercials, and they had this Spud Brothers show that I was on ESPN. So I go, you guys got to come out and meet Brian Spud Walters, man. You guys (laughs) stole his name. (laughs) Absolutely. That was a – who knows? Maybe that's why I had so many fans in Idaho because it is the
2: home of the Spud. But uh, it was all all good, so – I appreciate, uh, like I said, everything you've done, Don, and you know, and, and being the first, first, uh, you know, track promoter to have a uh, a, a, a web webcast, right? For uh, oh, right right Colorado, <laughs> right? I mean,
1: uh, yeah, you, you know, you, oh, my you God. Really are there. Yeah. So well, thank you for that. You know, if I wouldn't have had buddies like uh, Andy Cows and uh, guys down in Texas that did all my servers, uh, Bob Davis we did become the first people ever to have webcast radios. So thanks for throwing that out there, man. We we did it uh, from, what, 1996 to 2008.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, thank you so much, Tom.
1: Yeah, oh, I mean, wow. really, we had sometimes 16,000 people listening to those races. <laughs> oh, yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah, or, or the time in uh, Colorado, right, when uh, uh, the hits were full of, you know, I, I knew four strokes was going to be uh, a something, uh, something special. You know, back then, you know, the springs were so loud, and just to feel that thunder was uh, was amazing. So, uh, thank you. Yeah, how out. did
1: uh, you know? I got David Claybaugh that 250 Outdoor National and 500 National. Well, it's not a 500 National anymore, but you know, talking with David Claybaugh, <clears throat> we got all the people from AMA out there and the dealers uh, from, uh, KTM there and John Dowd was there and, uh, you know, holy mackerel, Keith Johnson, everybody from KTM came to try to beat you. <laughs>
2: yeah, that was, uh, that was pretty something, you know, uh, I do remember that, you know, KTM and, uh, you know, they, they had such a strong presence and, uh, you know, it was the, um, they were like I said, the, the field was so deep, you know, it was, uh you know it was I knew every race is gonna be a uh a struggle and and I'm just so grateful that uh you know I have all these memories to relive and uh you know great friendships that I made and you know all that so uh um you know it was, it was awesome.
1: Well, uh, on that, on a segue on that, I, I sure hope that Brad's going to get a chance to talk with guys like Lance Smell and uh, Guy Cooper, all these guys that run our four-stroke nationals. That was the other guy that was doing battles with you. And he goes, he couldn't believe what it sounded like when he had 40 riders of the top of the United States were there before they had the outdoor nationals. And it was nice to hear Guy Cooper say that. I named my son after Guy Cooper and that we all had a great time. And and this is your show, man. And Brad, way to go. Way to get a hold of Spud, man. But I hope we can get guys like Lance Mel on there and Dustin Nelson and, uh, you know, Sean Kalos. I was just talking to him the other day about it too. So man, wonderful show at BigMXRadio.com.
0: Absolutely. Appreciate the kind words there, Don. As always, uh, and I do hope to get uh, Lance Smale, Sean... Kalos um, and Dustin Nelson, any of those guys on the show. Uh, and in addition to that, I'd love to uh, to have a couple of them on at the same time so uh, the a few guys can swap stories because uh, as we've all moved on with uh, different careers and whatnot, I imagine that these guys uh, don't talk uh, to each other nearly enough and uh, the listeners would love to uh, hear some uh, top flight bench racing with some of the best in the sport. Hey,
1: we might even get Ron Lachine on there, you know, when Maximus, uh, Maxima Oil got, gave us a great big sponsorship, Danny Massey and, and uh, the Dogger man uh, got us involved, Ron Lachine. All of those guys I've known for years, you know, race with them over there overseas, and then they run our four-stroke nationals. There's a list that is endless, and those lists are the people that started this sport with us, and, and I'm glad they're with us today, and, and Brian Walters. Tell you what, man, we could talk for hours and hours, and I thank you for sharing all your time with us. Oh,
2: I, I, I thank you so much. You know, I, I really appreciate the opportunity, and uh, thank you, Brad, at Big MX Radio, for uh, for taking the time and interviewing writers, you know, and you know, it, it, it's awesome. You know, I, I heard the podcast of uh, Mike Young the other day, and uh, what a what an inspirational story, and you know, that guy, that guy is a true hero, so uh, uh, thank you so much for sharing that. And I was unfortunately at the race when, uh, Mike got hurt. that, uh, you know, it seemed like it was just yesterday and I, uh, you know, m- my heart goes out to him and it sounds like, uh, he is, uh, he's doing wonderful. And, uh, you know, he truly is a legend and, you know, thank you so much for uh, giving us, uh, you know, this opportunity to, to, uh, to, uh, share our stories and to, uh, relive the past, you know, it seemed like it was, uh, it was, uh, just yesterday, but I know, <laughs> I know it was a long time ago. So thanks again.
0: <laughs> hey, I thank you for giving me the opportunity to, uh, bring your story to light. And uh, I hope you'll, in, in, you'll accept my invitation to, uh, to come on again, uh, rehash some of these stories, tell some new ones and, uh, ultimately, uh, do some top flight pen tracing that we, uh, that we love and, uh, and we continue to do.
2: I would love to anytime, uh, you know it's it's great, and I'm looking forward to uh, listening to uh, future podcasts. So uh, thank you so much.
0: Excellent. Uh, well, uh, um, really appreciate you both of you guys giving me some time, and uh, but for podcast sake, we'll we'll cut it off right there. You guys have a great day.
1: Hey, uh, awesome. see you later, Champ. I'll talk to you later, Spud. I love you, man. Sounds good, buddy. Love you too. Thank you, Brad. Take care, guys.
0: Bye, Brad. Thank you for listening to the Big MX podcast. Brought to you by X-Brand Goggles. Be sure to check out our archive for episodes you may have missed. Check out our website at BigMXRadio.com for more content.